The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Mark Harper, Alex McFarland with you today. And uh, I pastored for 40 years. It was, it was quite an adventure and praise God for it. But the most challenging thing that I've ever had that I've ever done is being a parent. And I don't know of anything that gives greater blessing, but it also, it is a challenge. So today we've got a special guest, Alex, that we're really looking forward to. And she's joining the AFR family by podcast. I'm excited about this, Alex. Well, you know, podcasting has uh, introduced the gospel and good biblical worldview content to millions of listeners. And, you know, when we talk about radio, we're talking about usually what we call terrestrial radio, you know, radio stations. But my goodness, podcasting is such a broad platform now, and we're glad for all of the good people that the Lord brings our way. And so uh, we're glad to make people aware of this new podcast. We certainly are, and it is the Dr. Nurse Mama. Now, that's three titles. I'm telling Dr. Nurse Mama, that's the title of the podcast, and the host is Dr. Jessica Peck. She's with us today. Welcome, Dr. Peck. Oh, thank you so much, Bert and Alex, for having me on this afternoon. I'm so appreciative. Well, we want everybody to know the first podcast that's connected with AFR is up and running. I checked it out, and it is ready to go, and it was put on there yesterday. And uh, so, uh, Jessica, welcome to the family. Well, thank you so much. It's so exciting to be able to bring really what I think is a new perspective. It's called Dr. Nurse Mama because I'm bringing my professor brain, my hands-on nursing experience, and my heart as a mom to be a guide on the side for parents who are navigating things that we've just never known before as parents that are really hard. Exactly like you said, I mean, I know what it's like to be a mom who wants to do a really good job, but I'm just wondering, am I messing this up? Am I failing? You know? And I really want parents to find hope for healthy relationships with their kids. I believe that's the only way that we are going to help them successfully navigate these tough challenges that are coming their ways in the context of a healthy relationship. Well, Dr. Peck, hi, Alex McFarland here. So honored to speak with you and very excited for what you're bringing to the uh, broadcast platform of the American Family Radio Network. Uh, I love the title, Dr. Nurse Mama, because uh, <laughs> yeah. so many so <laughs> many godly women wear all three of those hats and more. And, uh, you know, it, it does take the Lord, doesn't it? It takes uh, the Holy Spirit and the power of God to adequately fulfill all those roles, doesn't it? Well, you're right. And, you know, your show's called Exploring the Word. And I think it was so exciting for me to be able to write the book that goes along with the podcast. My book is called Behind Closed Doors, A Guide for Parents and Teens to Navigate Through Life's Toughest Issues. And I saw, you know, when I was looking at parenting books, a lot written from a medical perspective or just a parenting coaching perspective, but I really don't see that healthcare medical perspective combined with faith because we cannot do it on our own. We are not wise enough or strong enough or powerful enough to, to navigate this world on our own. And I think there is a, such an opportunity. God's Word has really influenced the way that I parent. So, for example, if my kid tells me they're afraid, you know, the mom or the nurse in me might say, oh, don't be afraid. I'm here with you. But then the Christian in me can back that up and say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And when we start investing in our own relationship with the Lord as parents, faith is caught. It's not taught. And so we, we're, you know, we, it's important to teach them, but they're really going to catch so much more of what we do than what we say. And so that's what I want to do through the podcast and through the book is help parents strengthen their faith, their walk with the Lord, so that it is authentic, living, breathing, and a beautiful thing that their kids think, I want, I want that. I want that in my life. Well, when I hear that and I see on the bow, you're the mom of four teens. All at one time. <laughs> now, all at one time. Yeah, all at one time. Yes, oh, sir. Are they driving yet? Correct. Are they all of them driving? <laughs> 
I've got two who drive and one who's learning. So oh, wow. I've got one more to go. I, it's good for your prayer life. It is, and uh-huh. it increases your uh, insurance premiums as well. <laughs> a whole lot. And my boys, I've got two girls and then two boys, and my boys coming up driving. Oh, yeah, we are feeling that for sure. Well, one thing real quickly, I'll throw it back to Alex. Tell us where they can find your book, Behind Closed Doors. You can find it anywhere books are sold. It's easy to get it on Amazon. You can go to drnursemama.com. That's drnursemama, M-A-M-A.com, and find it there. And I'm really happy to say that when it was released on Amazon, it was the number one ranked parenting book as a new release for the entire period of the new release. And that's with you know secular books and faith-based books, but it was right there at the top. So I think there's a hunger for this. Parents want to know how do we navigate this world through the lens of our faith, and that's what I hope Mm. to do. How long have you been doing the podcast, Dr. Peck? You know, it's relatively new. I have only had one season that I did one episode to align with each chapter of the book, kind of give some bonus content. And then, just like you heard, we just started yesterday. My first guest is my dear friend, a pastor, Brian Haynes, who wrote a book called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. And we talked about how his biblical metaphor for life is life is three in three deserts, one you can survive in, one you can only survive in with help, and one that is not survivable, and how he navigated those and found help, hope through his parenting journey. So I'm a nurse. I'm going to ask all the hard questions. We're going to talk about some uncomfortable things in a very comfortable way. But again, we will engage, equip, encourage, and empower parents to find hope for healthy relationships with their kids. Now, this is available. You go to AFR.net and then click on podcast, and it's right on the second row, right there, real close <laughs> to exploring the Word. If you, uh, When you scroll down, you'll see both of those, so that'll let you know where it is. It is weekly, and uh, we're so glad to have you with us, Dr. Peck. It's so great. One of the things that I, I could not help but notice again Happily married to a rocket scientist. <laughs> now, I, you know, I, I've heard this. I'm not a rocket scientist, but to be married to one, that's 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 an issue, isn't it? <laughs> well, my kids think it's an issue. They, you know, they tell me all the time, Mom, it's not rocket scientist science. You better let Dad handle that. And, you know, my husband, when I first started as a nursing school, I actually just went to community college. Um, I was the first woman in my family to go to school. And I was too scared to go get my bachelor's degree. So my husband said, you know what, I'll get a master's degree and I'll just drive you to school. So that's what he did. And then when I got my master's degree, he got his second master's. But by the time we got to our doctoral degrees, he said, you know, I'm already a rocket scientist. I don't need a PhD in rocket science. But he is amused at the perception that I'm the smart one in the relationship. Hey, well, it is so good to have you. Alex, uh, We, I, I can speak. You speak all over the United States, speaking to to kids, teenagers. Uh, The help Mm -hmm. that is available is great. Aren't aren't you glad we have it available, brother? Amen. Amen. Because, you know, the strength of the nation is really contingent on the health of the family. And, Dr. Peck, I commend you, and you are certainly going to be in our prayers. And I encourage everybody, folks, make people aware of this. Uh, Let people know, because... um, Look, we think about evangelism and winning people to Christ, and obviously that is of primary importance. But really, encouraging families, marriages, uh, bringing kids up to know not only Jesus, but to know moral truth. I mean, this is the hope of our nation, isn't it? It really is. Go ahead, Dr. Peck. Yes. No, I was just going to say amen to all the things. It is so so, so important. And I really believe that kids now, they need their parents more than ever to help navigate them through these these tough times. And, and that requires our most valuable commodity, and that's our time. And I, in the book, I really love to lay out how science supports Scripture. For example, when we talk about not being anxious for anything, and the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, well, it says that when we know from science, when we practice intentional gratitude, that it actually makes our blood pressure lower and gives us a lower risk of heart attack and stroke. So there's so many just interesting things to explore there that God knows, and there's just no there's no limit to the riches of of the, of the glory of God. And so I I would love to have people join in and and help us find those. Our guest today has been <clears throat> Doctor. 
Jessica Peck, her new podcast at AFR.net is Dr. Nurse Mama. And again, we thank you for being with us, Dr. Peck. Thank you, Bert and Alex. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much. Alex, again, you navigate this all the time with parents. I do as well. And so what an addition this is to to the broadcast on the radio. Uh, We have Mark Gredston always doing Parenting Today's Teens. So AFR is doing what we can do to live up to the issue of family. And so we're desperate for help, and that help is through the Word of God. But when you have people that have been trained in medical procedures, then they've also been trained in other ways, and to bring the, the holistic part of the Word of God to parenting, uh, what a gift it is to us. Well, amen. And, you know, this is just one more example of the dozens of ways that the American Family Association is being used by God. Broadcast, radio, video, films, uh, publishing— and podcasts, too, and, you know, on all the podcast platforms to proclaim truth and to call people back to a personal relationship with Christ, but also to that cornerstone of the, the society, which is the family and the church. Bert, aren't you thrilled to see how God has raised up, you know, the vision that Don Wildman had so many decades ago, and, uh, I mean, quite literally, it's touching the Western Hemisphere, and the world. It really is, and we do thank God for that because it was a vision Don had and what a difference he has made and what a difference Tim and others here are continuing to make. And here on Exploring the Word, we want to add the Word of God into your life so you'll know God better. And matter of fact, we're going to continue in Mark chapter 14. We're going to start off with verse 12 when we come back here in just a moment and we're going to find out some things that's going on and how jesus is preparing his apostles not just for the passover alex not just for his arrest but he's also preparing them for life and isn't that what god does he gives us his word and his holy spirit so we will be fully equipped to navigate life amen well that's true that is really true. And, you know, that's why we, well, we've got a break coming up, uh, but we need the Word of God to show us life and not only salvation, but how to live. And, folks, when we come back, we're going to be in Mark chapter 14 on this edition of Exploring the Word. Stay with us, plus your calls and Bible questions. So don't go away. We've got a brief break, and we'll be in Mark 14 when we come back after this. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jerome Powell, chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve. He oversees the banking system of the United States of America. 1 Corinthians 4.2 reminds us of the importance of being a good steward. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Jerome Powell as he leads the U.S. Federal Reserve. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says God is using the global health crisis as a wake-up call to a world that's ignored him for too long. So how do we respond once we get the message? We'll find out today as we spend two minutes with Tony. I want to challenge you to make knowing him, drawing near to him, connecting with him your goal. Uh, He's given you a direct route, by the way. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, born of a virgin, lived the perfect life died a substitutionary death in your place for your sins to give you the gift of eternal life and connect you with the Father. Cultivate that relationship, reading his word, reading the book of John, reading Isaiah 40 to understand how he's in control of everything and using this word to get to know that God through his son, you'll begin to see he can speak peace while we wait on him solving to solve problems. God has put us in distress or allowed us to be in distress 
because he wants us to snuggle up close. Now is the time to run to him, seek him, pursue him, be passionate after him, to come to know his son and through his son come to know him, to get into his word and grow in your commitment to him and then to submit to whatever he says, whether you feel it or not. And then let's watch him deal with the problems because he's had the ability to draw near to us and change us. May God bless you as you pursue him. And as our culture learns that the God who causes the distress also alleviates the distress when we return to him. If you've never experienced what it's like to have a personal relationship with God through Christ, Tony wants to tell you about the amazing ways it can change your life. Visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You know, previously on Exploring the Word, previously on Exploring the Word, we talked about Mary uh, anointing Jesus' head with oil, which was in that kind of hot, arid, dirty culture. That was a a very uh, nice gesture. And we're in Mark chapter 14, and uh, we welcome you to look there in the New Testament Gospel of Mark. But, Bert, one of the things that is so, I think, compelling are the details you know, Mary and Judas, and Judas goes to betray Jesus. And then they talk about at the Last Supper, you know, one of you is going to betray me. I mean, you read this, and it I believe it just vividly comes to life with all the details about the greatest story ever told, the gospel story of our Lord who served and ministered and ultimately went to the cross. But the details just paint an unmistakably clear picture, don't they? It really does sound like somebody was there, and now they're writing about it. It (laughs) And uh, it really does. A lot of folks think Mark and Peter collaborated on the Gospel of Mark. I happen to be one of those that I I, I lend to believe that, because it it sounds so much like Peter uh, as he, he goes through it, and Mark writes it down. And we come to verse 12, and notice what it says. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread... Again, Alex, a detail. When they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? So he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he goes in, say to the master of that house, The teacher says, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished, (laughs) prepared, there, make ready for us. His Mm. disciples went out, came into the city, and guess what, Alex? Found it just Just. as Jesus had said. Wow. Can you believe it? Amen. I absolutely believe it. Yes, just as he said, because (laughs) that's how history is going to play out. It is in process, just as he said. It says in verse 17, In the evening he cometh with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be very sorrowful and said unto him one by one, Is it I? Is it I? Bert, did you ever hear that gospel song, very moving, Is it I, Lord? Yeah, you know? I do. Um, Jesus answered and said, and Bert, I've always, you know, you wonder if he's like addressing the group or talking one by one uh, somewhat privately. It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Uh, good were it for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, Take eat. This is my body. Now, of course, in 1 Corinthians 11, there is this uh, really transcript of the dialogue where Jesus at the Last Supper really instituted what we call the Lord's Table. Verse 23, And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Bert, the very words, New Testament, 
which really means new covenant. The old covenant, what was the old covenant? Well, do the sacrifices in the tabernacle because they promised the Messiah that would come. The, the new covenant that would be instituted, ratified by Jesus on the cross, rising again, we're under the new covenant. We don't do sacrifices looking for the Messiah that would come. In faith, we look back at the Messiah that did come. We're under the new covenant. Praise God. Amen. Going back just a little bit, I couldn't help but notice, is it I, is it I? Judas's Carriot had done such a good job at pretending that he was a follower of Christ, making it look like that he was one of them, that everybody would not say, we knew, uh, we know who it is. We were waiting on you to tell us it is Judas, isn't it? Nobody mm-hmm. said that. Nobody said that. I, I just want to make this true. It's it's not who you associate with. It's not who you run with that declares who you are. It's who you know personally. Do you know Jesus Christ? And uh, this is Judas Iscariot. He did not. And so they said, is it I? And so then they come to this new covenant, and notice what it says. And again, assuredly, verse 25, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in it new in the kingdom of God. Not only is it talking about the new covenant, but it's also talking about everything being new in his kingdom, Alex. There's a future day coming. Here they're looking at the past, yes, the old covenant, the Old Testament, the sacrificial system. Yes, that is true. They're looking at the new covenant that he is making with them. But he's also looking forward to a, I'm going to call it a new day. You catch what I'm saying? A new covenant and a new day that's mm-hmm. coming. What a what a day that will be, isn't it? Well, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, you know, uh, let's talk about the betrayal for just a minute, because, you know, if you go back to Matthew 26, 22 through 25, the disciples, like in Mark 14, they're saying, is it I, is it I? But you realize that Judas says, Master, is it I? And verse 25 of Matthew 26, Jesus said, uh, yes, you've said it. But Judas knew it was him because the thing is, when they, they go out and it says in verse 26 of Mark 14, they sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives to pray. Now, Judas has slipped away because when they're out there uh, praying, verse 43, Judas and a crowd and soldiers with swords and the chief priests, they, they sort of appear out of the darkness after Jesus has been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they just, Bert, can you imagine this scene? They just sort of appear out of nowhere, and there in the garden they arrest Jesus. Um, and it was Judas that set in motion all of these events through his betrayal of the Son of God. And Alex, you got to go back again. I know we're reviewing, but it all fits together, and it helps us to be reminded. Mark 14, the first part, Mary anointing the feet of Jesus, and we know it was Judas, and others agreed, well, she didn't need to do that. We could have used that and and sold it and fed the poor. And and they add, he didn't say that because he is concerned about the poor. He was that because he was that said that because he's the one that had the money and notice what it says in verse 10 and Judas is carried one of the 12 went to the chief priest to betray him to them and then in verse 12 that we started off two days later now on the first day of the week two days later we find this is happening and so Alex you're exactly right Jesus is the one that is control he knows what he's saying to get Judas's carry it to reveal who he really is. And I want to stop there a moment and say some things that I hope will help all of us, and that is usually God will bring things into our life to help us know who we really are. God already knows. God already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what you're thinking, how many times that is said in the Gospels. But he brings these things about in his time to bring this about in Judas's carry where he would betray him. He does some things in our lives to help us see who we are. You said it yesterday, and we need to reemphasize. Yes, Judas's carry did do this. 
It was set in motion even in the Old Testament for 30 pieces of silver. But Judas Iscariot still had the will to say and choosing, no, it will not be me. But he chose to do this, Alex. It was willful on his part when he left that day and went and deliberately went to the chief priest saying to them, here, I can betray him. I can give Mm. him to you in your hands. That's what he did. You know, Bert, I've quoted this many times, and I first heard of all all people, Bill Glass, the great evangelist, he's in heaven now, said this 30 years ago. uh, I was a youth pastor, and we took all of our kids to hear Bill Glass, but he said, right is right, even if nobody does it, wrong is still wrong, even if everybody does it. And, you know, the question, is it I, um, you know, it's not us around the, the table of the Last Supper, as those apostles were. But what about now? Um, is it I that would deny what the Bible says about sexuality and gender? You know, people are going to compromise. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, transgenderism is demonic. It's, it's a sin. But yet many churches and pastors are silent. Who's going to betray the Lord in this day? Bert, let's purpose in our heart that we're not going to betray truth or Jesus, who is truth personified, but we're going to stand strong. Um, And in every generation, Bert, I think there are decisions the church must make. Um, You know, in the time of Martin Luther, it was that the gospel is by faith, not works. And I think about in previous generations, but we've got our battles today. You know, I got to say this, I'm going to throw it back to you, but I got the AFA Journal yesterday, which is called The Stand, and unbelievably wonderful journalism. And I just felt like, once again, I was getting equipped to stand strong on all these key issues about the gospel, morals, marriage, family, our nation, human sexuality. And I, I finished reading the journal last night, and I was just thinking, Lord, with your help, I want to stand strong for truth. Um, don't we have to repeatedly ask ourselves the question, is it I? Yeah. It, and we've got to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, commit to stand strong and not betray our Lord. What he's going to introduce here, Alex, he's going to have the Passover meal, but at the last he introduces what we call the Lord's Supper. And what does it say? Let a man examine himself first to see if he's in the faith. First, make sure you're saved. And then examine yourselves inwardly to see if it's something that you have done outwardly, inwardly. Is it an action? Is it an attitude? Is it a lie that you're believing? A lie that's been shared by the world and now you're taking it in like Like you said, same-sex marriage is a fallacy. It is not even marriage. Uh, Transgender, no, God has assigned that to you. It's in your DNA. It really is. And so you stand with him and and with him. Uh, You don't necessarily have to stand for him as much as you stand with him. Guess what? If you'll stand with him, you'll stand for him. You catch what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and And his Holy Spirit and the Word of God working in our lives. And Alex, you said it well, that first of all, when we read that material like in the stand and we look at it, we say, Lord, I need to be right with you. I need to have this and have it with the right attitude, not with haughtiness, not with pride, but thankfulness and with humility that God has taken his time to give us his word. He's taken his opportunity to let the Holy Spirit come and dwell in us. What a blessing we have. So we stand in complete humility and thankfulness for what God has done, not in haughtiness and proud and pride and saying, oh, no, we're not like them. No, except for the grace of God, there go I. It's the grace of God, brother. Well, in the Garden of Eden, when they show up and Judas, um, you know, here's what his 30 pieces of silver has bought, a military uh, crowd, a religious crowd, and just some, you know, people in general who want to see a spectacle. And verse 48, Jesus answered and asked, are you come out against us, against as a thief with swords and staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And this is Psalm 22 and others. 
and they all forsook him and fled, and there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him. So they're, they're not only trying to arrest Jesus, but some of the people that are with him. Uh, this might be John Mark, who runs away, but they led Jesus away to the high priest. With him were assembled all the chief priests and elders and scribes. Bert, this, this entourage, they've arrested the Savior, and they're going to haul him off like some prized trophy they've hunted down to take him to, to the city for all these trials, um, from the Garden of Gethsemane, a place of prayer, to the rooms of accusation before Herod Pilate and the religious leaders. Um, I, I, you know, I've got to say, there, there's no drama that anybody has ever written that is as really um, intense as this, and this is real history. This truly it happened did. for our salvation. It did. Now, let's go back to the identity. It was dark. So some of these guards, would temple guards that were with him, would not necessarily know who Jesus was. And But Judas Iscariot, three years more walking with him, camping out that long, he knows. He knows where he is. He knows he's looking for it. And what does he do? He says to them, the one that I kiss is the one you take him, lead him away. And they And he came up to him and said, Rabbi, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Now, I heard a sermon the first time I ever heard it uh, was at a, an evangelist, and he said it, the man who kissed the door to heaven but yet went to hell. Now, mm. that's how close you can get. You can't catch the man who kissed the door to heaven. Jesus said, I am the door. No one can come in any other way. And here's Judas kissing that close knowing him, identifying with him, knowing where he was, knowing his voice, knowing all the things about him would be that close, but yet betray him. And then he would go out. We know that when he saw he guilt came over him, not, not confessional guilt, but guilt of what he had done. He had been caught, throws that 30 pieces of silver back on the floor and goes out and hangs himself. And so this is that person. Listen, no position. He was a he was one of the apostles in the book of Acts. It says he proclaimed that. Those of you who are listening, make sure you're saved. It's mm-hmm. not because you're a preacher, not because you're a deacon, not because you work for a ministry, but because you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Make sure of that today. Well, Alex, we're going to take phone calls in the last segment, and that number, triple eight. We'd love to hear your Bible question. Here's Bert Harper on the AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023. We are so determined to come alongside the church and to support pastors who share Christ with others, but also stand in the gap for righteousness. And Fishbowl will encourage that pastor to be that kind of a man. Bert and his wife Jan are hosting again this year with speakers Jeff and Debbie Shreve from Real Truth for Today. Every difficulty that comes into your life and my life, it's a test of faith. The stormy sea where Jesus is asleep in the boat, that's a test of their faith, and they didn't do very well. And so most of the time when we ask that question why, God's response is, my child, just trust me. The AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023, September 26th through the 28th at the Riverbend Retreat Center in beautiful Glen Rose, Texas. Register at repairingthefoundations.net repairingthefoundations.net or call 662-844-5036 extension 297 let's see if something costs less but people are happier with it that sounds like something to look into and that's metashare maybe you've heard switching to metashare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month and that's huge but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch to the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call Right now, and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 
833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As David prepared to face Goliath, Saul tried to outfit David with Saul's personal armor. But David didn't have Saul's armor when he faced the lion or the bear. And David recognized that he didn't need the armor to slay Goliath. Today, many Christians yield to the temptation to be hipper, cooler, even a little fuzzy on the clear teachings of Scripture in order to face the Goliaths of our day. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. We don't need a cool light show to be effective ambassadors for Christ. All we need is to offer what we have freely received. We know the transforming power of Christ because he has transformed us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. American Family Radio. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just stay right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. We hope life. you found that better life in Jesus Christ. He is real, He is the God who saves, and I pray that you know him as Savior and Lord. Alex, we've got a full course today. Every line is taken. You ready to? Excellent. Let's Let's see how many we can get to. Let's go to Oklahoma, and it's Bruce. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you for calling back. Well, thank you guys for taking my call, Bert and Alex. Great to listen to you guys every day. I just wanted to comment on the three heavens. I agree with Alex on that completely. But I had a little different take, I think, outside the box sometimes. You know, John said in, in Revelations that he saw the third heaven coming down, Jerusalem coming down. And, uh, in uh, the New Testament also, they talk about uh, Jesus going to the bosom of Abraham. Well, that would be the first heaven to me, and the second heaven would be where we're at now in the church age. And then the third heaven is when we receive our new bodies and reincarnate. And that was kind of something I wanted to just pass along. It was an interesting thought to me. Okay, Bruce. Thank uh, you. God bless you. Yeah, uh, let, let me, I got to take issue with one thing, and that's the word reincarnate. Yeah. Uh, don't. Because um, reincarnation really, and I, I know you probably don't mean that. You probably don't mean, you know, we, we do get a glorified body, and there's a resurrection. Everybody resurrects. You know, the Bible talks about some to everlasting life and some to everlasting condemnation. But uh, reincarnation, the idea that we come back in multiple lives to work out the bad karma of a previous life, that's, that's a completely Hindu thought, which really is absolutely foreign to Christianity. So, hate to be so nitpicky, but it's really important. And that, and that is... Word, yeah, Bruce, that is a very important thing. What When you hear the word incarnation, just like Alex, uh, it has a whole different meaning than getting your new body, the glorified body. But thank you. And it is interesting to look what God has prepared. He's prepared heaven, but he's also prepared each step of our way. Thank you, brother, for calling. Let's go to Texas. Mary, welcome. Hello. Yes, you're on. Yes. Thank you for calling, Mary. Thank you for taking my call and answering questions. Um, my question is, um, you know, the in Timothy, the second chapter, for women to keep silent, not to assert authority over man. And then it goes on about the bishop being the husband of one wife, able to rule his household and children. Um, I did, a, was researching this, this one pastor on Google said that um, in support of women preachers and even ordaining them, that if you took that scripture, one wife, the husband of one wife, and able to okay his children, that you would have to eliminate 
the apostles that were unmarried because it says a husband, and you'd have to eliminate them because they had no children. They said that in the Old Testament, Deborah was a judge. She ruled over men. And then Priscilla and Crilla in the New Testament, Priscilla is mentioned five times, and her name is before her husband. I, I still can't eliminate the scripture that instructs women to keep silent and not to teach or have authority over a man, and that's in the church. Am I right or wrong? Mary, thank you for calling. And listen, usurping authority, we, as I don't care if you're a man, a uh, pastor, you better not usurp authority over over God and over those that he's put over you. Each We have a position, and the senior pastor, the lead pastor, the ghost by different words, it seems in the Scripture, Alex, and you and I have talked about this a lot, so we won't. I won't take up a lot of time. The Bible seems to give that authority to a man, but when he invites a woman to to share her testimony, uh, uh, a teaching that she has received, I don't look that as usurping authority. What about you? Right, uh, and you know what the Bible does mention a lot of females that God has used, uh, and certainly Deborah was a judge, which is like a political reformer in the Old Testament. Priscilla and Aquila were a married couple, and they were kind of missionary helpers with the Apostle Paul. By the way, Bert, I don't know if you know this, but um, contrary to 2,000 years of church history, suddenly the people that want to legitimize uh, women senior pastors nowadays are arguing that Priscilla wrote the, uh, the book of Hebrews. And that's never, ever been taught. There's not a shred of historical evidence for that. But we're in a, a time where the philosophy of egalitarianism to try to militantly force that there is no difference between male and female, um, it's causing people uh, at, at best to have revisionist history and at worst to tamper with the way the Word of God is written and proclaimed. So let me say this. The Christian worldview in and of itself uh, makes males and females equal in worth and value, but unique in calling and assignment. And look, um, the, the liberal women's movement of the last 25 years notwithstanding, the Word of God makes it clear that Christ, who is head of the church, orchestrated his church, whereby uh, the pastor would be a male. Doesn't mean men are misogynistic or better than women, just means that God, who's a God of order, uh, just like he made females to have a, a uterus and a womb and carry children, uh, and he made men to be fathers, God orchestrated his church in some very specific ways. But it really troubles me that people nowadays feel like they have the liberty to spin the New Testament, because if we revise and deconstruct what it says about church, marriage, morality, people also revise and deconstruct what it says about being born again. Exactly. That's very dangerous. Exactly. And so, Mary, thank you for your call. Let's go to Mississippi, and it's Richard. Welcome, Richard. Thank y'all. Um, I just I wanted to say something about Judas. You know, we all talk about how he was awful, and he, he did do an awful thing, and he betrayed Jesus, but it's the thing that keeps going in my mind is we betray Jesus in almost the same way every single day. We we continuously live in our sin and don't actually repent of it. And in my opinion, that's betraying him, betraying what the faith is. And I would I was just wondering if there's any clarification as to how we genuinely can avoid that. Okay, let me say this, Richard. What you're looking at, we today skipped Peter. We'll come back tomorrow and catch Peter. You have two things going on there in the upper room, the betrayal and the denial. And this is where Peter was. And I, I believe we deny, I, I think the, I know betrayal is there, but not to the extent that Judas did, but although they can, but we have the opportunity to profess Christ or deny Christ each and every day. And so I think you look at that and I think I identify more with Peter many times, uh, not speaking up 
like he didn't speak up, Alex. You know, he was quiet. Yeah. And then he even said, I don't know him, and denied him. Yeah, that's true. In Mark 14, I mean, we we focus on the sin of Judas, serious as it was, but also there's Peter and any of us. Uh, I think we could see ourselves in some of these these failures and foibles of the apostles. And um, like you said, examine examine yourself and see if you be in the faith. Well, we need to daily examine ourselves and see if we're walking and living out the faith, don't we? We really do. Thank you so much, Richard. Great call. Great question. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Jim. Welcome, Jim. How y'all doing today? Doing good, brother. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. Why to ask that silly question? I know how y'all are doing. I just (laughs) wanted to call and tell you, I thank y'all so much for telling the truth in the Word of God. And I'm blessed, blessed every day because I hear you two young guys talking about <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just like yesterday, Deuteronomy 22, 5, you, hey, it's an abomination, and that's what you called it. And and I'm going to tell you what, just like today, I get, I'm sorry I get so excited, but I get to talk about Jesus. Amen, Jim. Amen, amen. 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 Thank you. Every day. Praise God, man. Jim, thank you for calling. And listen, pray for us. Alex and I, he said it when he did, earlier today when he read the journal and saw all those those articles and said, Lord, I want to stand for you. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to make much of Jesus and him to be glorified. That's our purpose. And, Jim, let's, let's do it. Thank you for that good call. Let's go to G- Tammy. Yeah. Tammy in Arkansas. Welcome, Tammy. Hey, I love listening to you guys. I just have a quick question out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Not sure exactly what verse. Can you explain to me the uh, verse where it talks about the man going and talking or praying or prophesying uh, with his head covered? Is it talking about a hat, hair? I just need you to break that down for me, if you don't mind. Okay, thank you, Tammy. Again, let me just share with you, and I'm not... What you do, especially in 1 Corinthians, some of it is as plain as it can be for all time. Some of those questions they were asking him were specific for first for the people in Corinth, like eating meat offered to idol. That's not covered a lot of other places, but you care that principle. Alex, uh, it's talking about authority. It's talking about identification, isn't it, quite a bit in 1 Corinthians? Well, you know, there's an interesting First uh, Corinthians eleven four. It says, "Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head." Or the word really is frustrate. Frustrates his head. Now, at the very least, without going into all the little salient nuances of the culture at Corinth, um, order. We don't want to, you know, create disorder. And it talks about a woman praying and prophesying. Uh, needs to have her head covered. Uh, let me say this, that there is order in God's church. By the way, um, you know, Bert, earlier we had the question about a woman usurping authority. Norm Geisler, and my goodness, if anybody was conservative, he was, but he was talking about the fact that if a senior pastor, a male senior pastor, asks a woman to pray in church, or teach even, teach a mixed audience, she hasn't, quote, usurped authority. She's doing what the pastor asked, and the pastor is ultimately the one responsible in overseeing. So in all of this, whether it's men or women praying, men or women speaking, it's not that um, we're, you know, I don't think the Word of God is saying a woman can't speak or teach. I mean, I thank God for people like Anne Graham and Kay Arthur that, goodness, have certainly used their gifts and abilities um, but it, it's order, and the senior pastor has the spiritual oversight of the church, and he's the one accountable to God for being—sometimes we use the word under-shepherd, and the flock is under the pastor, and the pastor answers to Jesus, and the way God has structured it, it it's orderly, isn't it? It really is. Thank you. Thank you, Tammy. Let's go to Illinois and talk to Joshua. Welcome, Joshua. Hi, Bert. Hi, Alex. How's it going? Doing well, Good. brother. Good to hear from you. Good, good. I don't have a question. I just had a comment about the churches, you know, more churches standing up against 
the evil, and, and not only evil, the corruption in, in, in our government, the corruption all over the country. And um, I'm glad you guys brought that to light. And I think more, not only preachers and, and, and pastors, conservatives, uh, just Christians in general, there's, there's a war on Christians every single day, and it seems like it's a one-sided war. And I think, you know, we wear the armor of God. We have truth on our side. We need yeah. to be out there just like, just like anybody else, and we need to be out there letting our voices be heard, putting God's Word out there, and, and, and not having it so one-sided. And just more people standing up against what's going on. And, and, and I know people are afraid of being, you know, called names and um, maybe losing their job or, or, or things like that, unfortunately. But um, I just think more people need to put on the armor of God and, and get, get out there. And, Amen, and Joshua. You, you got it. Brother, thank you. And we, we're going to try to help people to identify with Christ, walk with Christ, and be equipped by Christ, which is the armor of God. Thank you, brother. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Paige. Welcome, Paige. Hey, Bert. Hey, Alex. I just wanted to tell you how much I loved your show. I feel like I'm part of the family, you know, when we do this every day, if I am blessed enough to uh, be here in the right time. But Mm. I had a thought when I heard you talking about Judas. And part of me says, absolutely no way. But if he threw the money back and he hangs himself, do you think he said, I'm sorry, God, and that he may be in heaven? Okay. Good good question. We get this. Let me say this, and I'll let Alex. We've got about a minute left. Uh, Jack, Loy, and Wilma, we're afraid we won't get to your calls today, but thank you for calling Alex, there's a godly sorrow. There's a godly sorrow. It would have not have been ended in suicide. It would have ended in confession. And uh, the, that's uh, what would you help Paige there? Yeah, you know the Bible talks about in Acts one twenty five that he went to his own place. Bert is like Cain. There's repentance and there's remorse. Repentance means really turning to God for forgiveness. But, you know, even that is is a work of the Holy Spirit. We can't just repent if we feel like it. We repent in response to the overtures of the Holy Spirit. Then there's remorse, and it talks about Judas. I think Acts 125 indicates that he went to hell. Uh, That was the place he had chosen to go for himself. Yeah, tragically. I believe that's right. Now, we would love for everybody, but it looks, the evidence is greater that Judas is carried. Again, remorse, but not godly sorrow. And the Bible talks about that, and that's true repentance and not just being sorry. So thank you for listening today to Exploring the Word. We're going to continue in Mark 14. We did the betrayal today with Judas. We do the denial of Peter tomorrow. So join us again tomorrow on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.